three, two, one. We're live. There it is, folks. We're live. Here we go, Nantucket. The first podcast of the new year, 2017. Let's give all of us a huge round of applause. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How are you, Nantucket? What is the good word? Welcome to Inside the Whale. I am your host, Doug Cody, bringing you Nantucket's first podcast live from here in Fort Todd Circle. If you're new to the podcast, let me say, let me open my arms and say, welcome aboard. Thanks for the click. I hope you love it. I hope this becomes your new podcast for 2017. I hope you want to listen more. I hope you tell your friends. And if you don't, that's that's too cool. That's that's cool too. There's plenty of other podcasts out there for you. But for those of you tuning back in, let me just say what's up and here we go again. I'm excited for 2017. We're starting this out together. January on Nantucket. What do you guys think so far, huh? How is this month of January treating you? Just had our first major snowstorm. Got over a foot of snow, and man, the island was looking good with all that snow. And now it's melting, and we're stuck with the January slop. I don't know what you guys think, but I really love this time of year. I like it. I think the island, uh, I don't know, it just feels more like a, a, a place you live. Does that make sense? There's no traffic. There's no rushing. There's no summer tented parties. Everyone just seems to be living without interference, does that make sense? Or, or maybe less interference, so to speak. I guess we're kind of on that other end of the seasonal spectrum. So I say, you know, pick up that book, read, pick up a new Netflix series. Uh, my recommendation would be Black Mirror. Uh, it's been pretty awesome. I've been enjoying that. Or uh, find a new walk, explore some new places, maybe drive down that road that you've always wondered what was at the end of it. Take that drive down there because no one's there. No one's looking. <laughs> Uh, I'm finding it interesting, folks. I'm finding it uh, very interesting to live in a community that has this uh, this dynamic to it, this sort of yin-yang dynamic, this off-season component built into it, and uh, you kind of figure out how to make sense of it. And uh, how do you guys, do you guys enjoy it? Do you enjoy January, February, and March, this sort of off-season life? I don't know. I like it. I don't know. Talk to me in 15 years, though. Some of you might be like, oh, you'll talk to me in 15 years. You might think differently. But uh, I don't know. I love I love this downtime. I love the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's nine o'clock in the morning and I just got to go down and record this. This is my project. You know, finish finish the podcast, finish episode 45. That's my job today. And then I'm going to go over to the Westmore and uh, take the time off. Use this time to finish those little projects that maybe you started but didn't have time. Maybe you were writing a little journal entry and you wanted to get back to it. That's what January, February is all about. I have to finish this uh, film short that I started shooting. That's uh, one of my goals for 2017. What are your goals for 2017? Right? Well, that being said, uh, things are still happening out here on the island, which brings me to my guest today. One of my goals for 2017 with the podcast was to try and bring you guys new and interesting guests and start tapping into some of the resources that come from off-island. You know, a lot of really fascinating, interesting people uh, come out here to Nantucket for different reasons, and uh, 
I wanted to start taking advantage of that. I wanted to create new opportunities for the podcast, bring in new guests. You don't necessarily have to live here on Nantucket, but if you visited and you have something interesting to say, and I think it's cool, I'm throwing you on the podcast, which brings me to today's guest, Jasmine Takanikos, who is a uh, marketing branding strategist for her company, Brand Human. She was out here last weekend with uh, Holly Finnegan doing their uh, Brand Human Entrepreneurial Conference held at the Nantucket Hotel. So Holly Finnegan partnered with Jasmine and they brought, uh, brought Jasmine out here to host their second annual entrepreneurial seminar at the Nantucket Hotel. And uh, I'd been hearing a lot about Jasmine and what she does uh, through a friend of mine recommended that I speak to her and I kind of got interested. I went to her website, uh, Brand Human, and I checked it out, got to know a little bit more about what she does. And I thought I actually could make an interesting podcast. And, you know, Brand Human specializes in branding and marketing for small to medium businesses, helping them sort of evolve and grow their businesses. But what she does is really coach people on all the different components of businesses, social media, how to use it effectively with your business. And that's just one aspect that she does. But I was intrigued because her focus is really on helping develop and grow anyone who's starting something launching a product. If you're a painter and want to get you, get your work out there and really, really connect, she can help you do that. And I, that's the uh, goal of that seminar that her and Holly put on last weekend, the entrepreneurial sem- seminar. And uh, I just thought that Jasmine was going to be really interesting to talk to and perfect for me to start my, uh, my new foray into bringing in uh, some new guests from off island that uh, hopefully you guys will find interesting. So Jasmine came over on last snowy sun, the snowiest of snowy Sundays, I should say, man. And uh, we got to talk in depth about what she does. And it's really interesting to me because so much of what she does and what we do in business and in our lives is, is about connecting. And you'll hear us talk about that. You know, how do we make these connections? Think of all the different ways, you know, I guess we connect to things, how we connect to people, how we connect to our music, to the TV shows we like, how we connect to our friends, why we love a certain pair of jeans, why you love Patagonia jackets. I don't know. I just use Patagonia as an example because they make good jackets. Whether you like it or not, the jackets work, and there's a reason that you like it, right? But that's all about connection, and uh, Jasmine's business is really helping you improve those connections. And I don't want to get too much into it. I want to uh, let you guys listen to our conversation, but I, I, I hope you'll find it interesting because I really, uh, I really did too, especially with me launching this podcast, uh, trying to get it out there. I have to use the social media uh, components to blast it out there to get the word out about Inside the Whale. So it was really pertinent to me. And I think you guys might find it interesting too. If you have something that you're thinking about starting, Jasmine and Brand Human, it's a girl, girl will make it, going to make it happen or at least help you reach, realize some of the things that you might need to do to build it. Because if you build it, they will come. All right, guys, is that enough of me yapping? Let's get to the episode, all right? Jasmine Takanikos, a brand human. Let's do it, guys. Let's go again. 2017, let's go inside the whale. Guys, now you might whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Thirty miles out of going 
big as an island. Away, 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 big as an island. I think we should just jump right in. Radical. We're, we're jumping in episode 45 on the snowiest of Nantuckets that you, uh, I've, have you ever seen it this snowy? <laughs> I mean, it was a snowstorm the last time. It's, I've never, um, was it a snowstorm the last time? No, you had a storm. We had a storm. Oh. And nobody could get off and everyone was rushing. You were by. stuck. We tried to get you here, Jasmine. Oh, I don't remember. I don't know. I travel too much. I can't remember. I remember last year after Sunday of the Entrepreneur Escape and everybody was like rushing to get on the 12 o'clock folks. Everything got canceled and you and I went to Lola that night and had like 50 glasses of wine. I was like, thank God. This Stressful. <laughs> I think, I don't know. The island. Yeah. Uh, you, if you want to interject, Holly. No, no. Okay. You, you can. We'll you start have start again. We'll start You have a mic. Don't Are worry. you going to edit it? or? Okay. No, okay. I don't. I, I think I like it just flying. Okay. I think it should just flow okay. naturally. Right, so we're, are so we we're Yeah. So Jasmine, okay. and I'm going to let you pronounce your last name because if I butcher it, I can't start it out with like butchering someone's last name. Sure. Jasmine Takanikos. Takanikos. Mm-hmm. Greek. Yeah. Like it. Mm-hmm. All right, and you are here today on Inside the Whale, and I've been trying to get you on the podcast because I find what you do fascinating, awesome. and I found you, you via through Holly and actually uh, Burr Tupper, if you're listening, recommended Burr. it, and I went to Brand Hu- Human, your company, mm-hmm. uh, your marketing and strate- strategy company, yes, strategical, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, strategical branding, branding, <laughs> which sounds, uh, you know, in this day and age, is a a, a big it's a big, uh, it's a big cloud. Sure. And but I thought, uh, given what I'm doing with the podcast and a lot of people on Nantucket, it's very relevant, and you yeah. help people. So maybe you could just fill us in about what you're doing. Sure. So um, I've been a branding and marketing consultant for about 11 years, and an educator as well for about seven at Parsons. I teach continuing education, so I teach um, branding for adult students, adult learners. Um, and that I, makes them sound slow. Oh no! <laughs> They're adult learners. No, but continuing education. Yeah, just just you know, um, I like to sort of say that because I think that people tend to think Parsons an undergraduate, and it's a really different process to teach adult students, basically, um, people who who are really um, taking on a new either um, branch of their career or brand, and. Um, so that's what I do, and I co-teach that course with a colleague of mine, Blisslau, who's a designer. So we teach design and branding together. Um, and I have independent clients where I, I hold an advisory practice, where I do branding and marketing for all sorts of people in all sorts of industries, um, artists, makers, creators, um, technologists, uh, real estate people, all kinds of humans. So I created a methodology called Brand Human. Yeah, and I think... Break it down even more micro. Let's mm-hmm. go, all right, like a, like a brand strategist. Now, what does a brand strategist do? Like, There's a lot of different versions of it, all right? You have sure. ad agencies that have brand strategies. So let's, let's, let's flush it out a little. So let's flush it out to what I do, because I can only really speak to what I do, right? So uh, the strategist as a word makes the most sense, because if you think about strategy, you're kind of covering all elements of the brand. But... How I work and what I really do is analyze someone's business development goals, really get clear on what those are and what's possible, and then from there create directives to make those things happen. So those could be what that could be website design, copywriting, logo design and identity, experiential events. Um, so I really focus on, you know, what what is the overall vision and how do we get there and how do we think about who our client is and who we're going to engage with and 
what it's going to look like in the next five to 10 years or tomorrow, and then what we do from there. So that's also inclusive of social media strategies, communication strategies. Um, and I don't all do this all by myself. I, I have a lot of people I work with to implement these different, these different points. Okay, and what, what was your background? What did you, where did you, undergrad, college and stuff? What's, give me a sense, <laughs> I, give me a sense of your background. I actually dropped out of college. Um, what college? Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle. So I'm okay. from the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I ended up actually working in fashion, which I never really meant to do. Um, and I got a high level position at a pretty young age on the buy side of things, doing buying for a couple stores in Seattle, Washington. Okay, like uh, Macy's type stores? or No, independent like, boutiques. Gotcha. Um, that were footwear, actually. So I sort of started my, my whole career in footwear. Oh, I know um, your world. You know yeah. how I know it? How do you know it? Because I worked in ENK. The oh, EA trade shows. Yeah, Inc. Yeah. I used to work the ENK trade shows yeah. in New York. So yeah. I know the buyer world yeah. going around to each booth and like, oh, that crappy lighting and the horrible air. Dude, I mean, I was like 21, 22. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm an artist. I'm a like thinker. Oh. I'm like a maker. Like trade I, shows in general are tough. It's but. just not my world and, and much respect to everyone that loves doing them, but um not for me. And I always, you know, I always meant to go back to college and, and my best friend's an academic. She said two masters, a PhD. She's on tenure track at University of Washington. Like that's my best friend. Like I thought I would move in a similar path on some level. Um, but I, I, my path became very different than that. And I ended up moving to New York city actually because of her, that's where she got her first masters. And she was like, you belong here. You need to be here. This is your world. And I moved there, and I got, um, I got a job uh, for a woman who did a lot of product development and sales and footwear, but more on like the private label side. And she had a smaller business, and I really helped her grow that business for four or five years. Like it was, a, and I was on the West Coast constantly. So again, early twenties, traveling constantly, building my network, understanding wholesale, understanding retail, understanding product development and design, understanding executive conversations, you know, just, it, it, I was very... For footwear. For footwear. <laughs> Which it blows my, I just love that it's just like the most, you know, the micro things of like shoelaces on a, on a shoe or like, well, you, we're really going to go with this new lace and... Like and, that and actually, kind of energy to, to goes be, into like the to, thought process of yeah. And I think my friend always joked with me because I used to judge men by their shoes so much. Like she's like, "Oh, Jasmine's not going to date that guy because of his shoes." And I really was like, a sh "Shoes were like a lot of like they're kind of a part of the personality of a person. Like they're huge." I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's the statement. It's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Crocs. <laughs> but see, the My statement brother gives with me so socks. much shit for wearing these. He's like, dude, Crocs are for kids. But the reality is, is that you have cool <laughs> orange ones with amazing socks that go with them, which shows like lots of personality and that you might not care at all, which is also awesome. <laughs> I think it's more I don't care. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, they're, I didn't mean to get into fashion and, and it was, it hit me hard in my mid twenties that, um, I was really understimulated intellectually, you know, for what I wanted. I was so interested in people. I was so interested in what made people tick. I was much more interested in advertising campaigns and uh, connecting the dots between, you know, 
what a brand says and how you reach that person and who that person is and what are they doing and what's brand loyalty. Like that stuff was always what was really interesting to me while I was in fashion. It was always about sort of end user. I was never like about fascinated with, um, you know, the newest thing that came out. I didn't have all bunch of fashion magazines that I was pouring through. That was never my, my scene. That's pretty interesting because I too share a little bit similar. When I first got to New York mm-hmm. and I was doing comedy, I started writing, and I was gonna—I wanted to be a copywriter. So, uh, Rad, okay. yeah, and I had a couple interviews with Gray. I had, okay, I had there one you of go. the worst uh, informational interviews, and I shared this with my on the podcast with Rob Cacuzzo, the oh, writer. Yeah, I have a, a letter that she sent me. Wow, that was like welcome to New York. I don't know how you got out of college. It was the most. It was the Ruta Fox was her name, and I actually looked her up on Facebook. What's she doing now? She got fired from Gray, and I think she actually, I want to say she's a fashion brand stylist in like Greenwich or something. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. That kind of toxicity is runs really rampant, I think, in a lot of in fashion world, in the branding world, because there's a lot of ego, you know? And that ego can be... Uh, can really want to destroy others for no reason. Yeah, but I, I connect on the idea of like that you just mentioned about like wanting to connect with people. Yeah, and I like that idea. And music, songwriting mm-hmm. is the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a reason why Bob Dylan, millions and millions of people love Bob Dylan. Sure, because there he he speaks. He connects to people's heart. Yeah, you know. But I went through the. I don't know if you've read Hey Whipple Squeeze This. No. All these marketing books and these branding books, these copywriter books that are mm-hmm. like, you know, they, it's really when you jump into the copywriting world, that's like one of the Bibles. Mm-hmm. Hey Whipple Squeeze This. And it's about mm-hmm. all the different campaigns and what's the shortest route. How do you say I love you? A million different ways to say I love you. Finding the one that is the most direct. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the quotes is, you know, Shakespeare was the original metaphor. How do I compare thee to a summer's day? Mm. You know, yeah. and they'd use these kind of those kind of references mm-hmm. to show you how you can connect with words. That was my point of bringing that up, not to show yeah. you that I knew Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think that I think um, you know, I I do a lot of copywriting in my business, mainly short form naming copy or brand ethos copy. That's sort of powerful, quick copy, um, and uh, I I find it to be really powerful. Like when you when you land on that phrase or that name and then someone can carry and build around that it's incredibly rewarding work you know um but I myself never fit into the mold of advertising agencies you know I have incredible friends and colleagues that still work in the the industry to this day and um I have a lot of respect for them and what they do and the work they create but I was I'm a different I'm a a different breed you know I I think differently about what's possible for entrepreneurs, small to medium-sized businesses, and brands. You know, I think that there hasn't been a really great model for entrepreneurs to think about how to brand holistically, and that they are really, I mean, Seth Godin, of course, is an incredible resource in thinking about your relationship to self and... Seth Godin is hotel? No. No, he's a. Um, you should absolutely know about him. You think right. he was really interesting, but he's um, an author and a thought leader. And yeah, <laughs> he, is he? I feel like I've. That's why that name sounded familiar. Yeah, you've also probably seen just like a ton of quotes from him. But he's a, he's an incredible writer, and he almost writes in prose and poetry a lot. Of, I think he's almost kind of a poet, which might people might go, "Wow, Jasmine, you're." But I I think that he's um, talk about speaking to the heart. I think he speaks to the heart of entrepreneurs and executives and thought leaders and 
so many other people. But as far as a model of like, you know, not plug and playing and being, you know, here's a few pieces of paper, here's a course you just roll through to create your business. Like I wanted to create a methodology and I really didn't actually seek to do this, but I, I sort of did subconsciously that, that worked for you around you. So asking more questions than telling you what the right answers are. But if I ask the right questions or I say the right principle to you, it would land in a way that's so powerful that you're going to start to get there, right? So instead of saying you have to do this and this is the best practices of building brand, um, I think it's a little dangerous, you know, especially because we have um, a huge part of brand building right now is social media, right? And Social media is so highly personal and also so highly professional at the same time that we have to make a lot of choices for ourselves and we have to tune into how we feel about things, you know, how we feel about sharing, how we feel about sharing family. Um, if we're entrepreneurs, how much we expose, how much we don't expose, um, why. It's just these are really big decisions. And I don't think that, um, you know, there I didn't see anything in the market that was sort of easing the anxiety around it. And I think with teaching and Parsons, it's been a huge gift for me um, to have so many different kinds of human beings in my classroom. You know, the the class has attracted, you know, anywhere from a 70-year-old woman who was an executive in advertising who is retired and wants to start a handbag line to um, a kid out of Taiwan who, you know, is not sure what he wants to do, but he loves fashion. I mean, you're talking, we've probably taught, Bliss and I have probably taught a student from every place in the world at this point. Wow, with all different uh, aspirations. Yeah, and all different points of of where they are at psychologically, which is, so, you know, when you're looking at a classroom like that, and, and now my practice where I have so many different kinds of people coming to me, it isn't just really about what they're doing, it's who they are. Right. So you got you have to you have I've had I have had to learn how to teach branding from a place that humans would understand. Not so much about, you know, um, who exactly you are and catering to all of these like very, you know, specialty pieces of the person. Okay, I want to crack that open a little bit. Sure. So, you know, <clears throat> when we say, you know, this thing like that humans understand, that sounds like a New York, I, immediately what I hear in my head, I feel like I'm at the boardroom of Ogilvy and some guy's oh, like, no. we need to connect with humans. Oh, no. No, no, no. We're, I'm going to let you crack it open though. I'm going to, so, sure. so give me an example. I have a, I want, I'm really into jump ropes mm. and I'm launching this jump rope line. How do, what are the, what do you do as the brand strategist? So, so I can get a sense and people can get a sense of what it actually from start to finish someone like yourself can can do for my jump rope company. Well, why don't we use an example that's more real, like you? Okay. Actually. I didn't want to bring up the podcast because then it looks like I'm trying to solicit free advice. Well, the reality (laughs) is, is that like, you know, nothing is really free. Everything is, there's a reciprocity and everything. You've had me on your show. So why don't we like crack your, crack the nut of your business? All right. It's not a business yet. I'll be honest with you. It's it's, it's a passion, a total passion. So talk to me. About the podcast. Um, or about you. So if you were to come and see me, right, as and, and do a session with me, of course, we're, we're going to keep it fairly private because it's a public pro- podcast. But from a top line level, I would have you fill out a questionnaire, right, that really looks at sort of what the pain points are of your business, what you're trying to do, what you want to do, how you want to make money. So just give me a bit of a well, brief. Well, I would say the first thing, the beauty of it is, is I don't, 
I didn't really, I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it because it's interesting. And I, the more that I've uh, dove into this thing, the more fascinating it is about the people that are on Nantucket. And the more I, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. And there really are amazing people that live on this island Absolutely. that have these incredible stories. Mm-hmm. And the more I, the deeper I go, the more, uh, the more interesting it is. And the more I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. And it's really just like you said, that connection, the fact that someone stops me and stop and shop and was like, Hey, I listened to the episode 30. That was awesome. Mm. You know, yeah. someone I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I heard someone go, Oh, that's the podcast guy. Cool. So I'm, I'm the dude mm-hmm. <laughs> at episode 45. You're yeah, the dude. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but, uh, I, you know, I, I guess my goals, I, I said this uh, in my wrap-up show that I don't feel like I've hit my stride yet with this. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of uh, this whole setup. There's a lot of producing your own show. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of technical components. There's Mm -hmm. um, the social media component, Mm -hmm. which I have an embarrassing story. Yeah. With Holly, Mm -hmm. I, I posted... The episode and I spelled Nantucket wrong. Oh, on the SoundCloud, <laughs> I didn't have the e, and I. But I, I was like, I. The next episode, I said I had first my corrections and retractions. I'm like, yeah, I have so to get you this know, straight. when you're in process, right? When you're in process, for sure, things happen, and so many people are actually really scared to even do anything. So process comes with mistakes. Yeah, you know, and it and and even small little ones that are really dumb. Usually they're really dumb, and it's like. You just have to, you know, you have to take it as, as it, what well, it is, what it is. It doesn't say anything about you. It's just that it's human error. Yeah. And it is. And it's just one of those things that I find that, uh, the more I do it and the more I find that I, wow, that's cool. And I, I, I relate things a lot to music. Like mm-hmm. some of those little things and songs that like little mistakes are the things that people really connect with. Sure. So and you I never know, know you what, know. what's open in those, you know, the beautiful thing about mistakes or missed opportunities or when things shift is there's like, and this is said a million times, but we really do have to remember this, that it ends up, it can be, there's such gift in that. Yeah. There's gift in people rejecting us. There's gift in people not loving our work and telling us why. There's gifts in that, you know. I mean, I still struggle with like. What's one of your mistakes? I was just going to ask you. What's a mistake that you've made recently that you've been mulling over? I think um, I uh, well, you could define it as a mistake, or you could just kind of look at it as um, have I been strategic enough? So I'm going through something right now, pretty intensely with my business about taking my own advice, and it sort of occurred to me a couple weeks ago that I haven't been totally taking all my own advice that I've been really concentrated in the last year and a half on building brand human and putting it out and creating these incredible containers for community and education. And I've been really in my bubble of how to make this better. How do I think about this? What are my partnerships? But, um, turning the mirror onto Jasmine Taknikos and going, what does this actually look like for me? When was the last time I looked at my principles and looked at implementing implementing the company I keep and implementing, um, you know, what my what my site looks like and my partnership? All you know, it, it it's not that the cobbler has no shoes, right? But my brand human Instagram has really been done through the visuals that I create, right? Because it put a lot of intention with my designer into my visual strategies, but I haven't put a huge amount of of energy into it and it, and it really, it could be better. Um, I think, I think, you know, I, I, I kind of looked at like, I've done a lot of events over the last year and a half, like 
a crazy amount. Corporate in, events or no? Um, I have a. I do my series at Soho House. Yeah, which oh, yeah. is a yeah. So I do a nice series. Nice pool there. Yeah, there, there's Sweet pool. good pools all over the world. <laughs> I've done um, brand human. I've been I've been fortunate enough to be um, really connected to that community. A big shout out to Soho House. Um, that I do my series in L.A. monthly and New York monthly. So I'm 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 you know pushing um, the content out and really building on both coasts. And now I've just added Malibu. So I've been doing the Malibu house as well. Um, and that's a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of um, doing, which is important to the process but the other part of the process is like okay so now where when do I sort of move back from the doing for a second and look at where I want this to go yeah who's your ideal client do you think American Express you want that's you want American Express I want American Express because um I would be able to reach so many small businesses through American Express oh because they have the rewards program they have like you know their small business their whole small business initiative. And I feel that I could partner with them and take brand human to smaller communities all over the United States and, um, really help entrepreneurs and small businesses understand that they have to clarify their relationship to their business. And once they do things get, just get stronger. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty clear on who I want and that's who I want. Good. <laughs> Well, you sound determined when you said it. You knew immediately. There was no thinking. No, no. Um, and I, you know, and it's and, and I respect them as a brand too. You know, if you look at one of the first advertising campaigns that ever really seduced me, like I went like, "Whoa, what is this?" It was my card, my life, and it was the you know, Robert. Yeah, you know, it was just basically like. Ellen DeGeneres and and all of her questions how she use her uses her card and Tina Fey and how she she uses her card and you know just like walking through Tribeca it was just beautiful and smart and 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 real and unproduced you know so the best advertising in my opinion is really simple but so well executed and a lot of that, those particular campaigns, you know, the people, they think who, when they sit down and they write out, this is our next campaign, they come up with that tagline, who represents that? And they probably went through 40 to 50 women. I've, I've been and there's out, men on that campaign too, obviously. Like, But Tina Fey is fun. She hits on all, yeah. she's funny, she's real. Yeah. She has, she's not too, she doesn't take herself too seriously. Yeah. She's everything that a brand would want. Yeah, but she's also maybe a risk too for a brand. I mean, the but the reality with American Express is that, you know, I don't know one high-level person that doesn't engage in that brand and there are a lot of different kinds of high-level people. Yeah. And when I say high-level, it doesn't mean elitist. It means someone who needs access to a card that can really help and help their life, make their life more efficient. They're usually entrepreneurs or they're doing things in the world that aren't easy, you know? Um, I just think that they're a, I think they're a good big brand. And then as far as like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think about, Oh, I really, I can't wait to work with Google and things. That would be great if that happens and that synergizes and they feel they need me and there makes sense and there's a reciprocity. Right. But what I want is I want all the small businesses in the nation to know what brand human is and, to learn from brand human and to grow from brand human and to connect to brand human. And then furthermore, on top of that, I want the communities to connect to each other. Like what just happened on Nantucket through Holly and Nantucket black book was really profound. You know, um, 
it, you know, I taught for a couple of days on branding and marketing and personal branding. But what was really incredible was that the community recognized that they have a lot of the answers sitting right next to them, you know, in relationship to how they can help grow each other's businesses, how they can help utilize each other's businesses. And I'm facilitating that. And Brand Human's facilitating that. And people like Holly are facilitating that. So the clients I want are the Hollies of every community, you know, who can recognize how important this work is and bring it to the communities um, so that the that, that communities become stronger. And I think it's ideal in smaller communities, you know. How did that relationship come? How did you come to Nantucket? How did that develop? Sure. So her sister actually came to a talk of mine in um, Brooklyn through uh, Jill Lindsay, who's an, also an incredible, you know, you look at New York City, 8 million plus people, right? Um, I live in Fort Greene, which is a really sweet community. And I love Fort Greene. Yeah. You live near the park? Yeah. Mm-hmm, right right the, I, li- I live in the, well, I won't say where I live actually in case there's any weird <laughs> stuff. I've had some actually like strange stalker activity recently in my life. So I'll be like. Whoa, that's a sign of success. I guess so. Check the box off. Dude, a hashtag stalker. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, uh, uh, so um, her sister came to talk of mine at Jill Lindsay's store, and Jill, what Jill Lindsay has created with her store, it's a retail store, it's a, it has events, it has wellness, but it, what she's truly created is a place for community, right? A place for people to come and hang out and connect and chat. And I held just a, like a pretty simple brand human talk there, and her sister Christina came and. Um, her sister doesn't run her own business, but she's, you know, entrepreneurial minded. I think, you know, everyone that comes from Holly's ilk is on some level, but Holly definitely leads that, leads that trail. Um, and she said, you know, you should, uh, you should know about this woman and you should look at her work. I think it would be relevant. And I, I had held the first full day brand human intensive. It was, it was happening. I think I spoke at Jalindsey in October and I held the first brand human intensive in November of 2015. Wow. Yeah. And so your first time coming out here was when? Um, Last March or January, last January for um, the Entrepreneur's Escape that Holly helped produce. Okay, so you just finished the the second one that you guys... This was actually totally different than that. Um, But so actually our relationship has grown in a huge way over the last year very quickly. And um, it's, it's sort of to me is a case study of how deeply needed this work is, but... So she brought me out as a keynote for that conference and I spoke and then, um, she brought me back for a pop-up strategy work with people. So, um, you know, I've been doing this kind of the idea of like going into communities and setting up shop and offering hourly sessions. So that's the other part of my work that I, I felt was needed for entrepreneurs. You can't always retain an agency. Most of the, most of the time you don't have the money to retain people for a huge amount of money to build your business strategies. And I've honed in on, on doing a lot of great work in a short amount of time with people that's really efficient and, and adds a lot of value. So I've come here for that a few different times. And um, we went to Stowe together in Vermont and did a little conference there, a little uh, retreat weekend there where I spoke. And then um, what uh, what else have we done together? I feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Jasmine's the reason that what's this thing on? Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> Jasmine's the reason that I um I, I got really burned out after this after the season and in October 
um, while she was here for her second pop-up strategy session. So basically, we met in November of 2015. She came as the keynote speaker in January of 2016. We went to Stowe together during the winter of 2016. She came back here in May of 2016 for strategy pop-up. There you go. Holly's much better about exactly the dates. I'm a little bit like, I'm, I'm, I'm as much as I'm a strategist, I'm like totally in my artist like I'm a weird <laughs> creative that I, I forget things like dates well and then when she was here in October this past time um she kind of saw the feast and famine of Nantucket and kind of how drained I was after a long season and she told me she was like you know you really need to one of her principles of brand human is alone and she was like uh that you need to go be alone for a little while and I think Venice California would be a really great place for you to do that and I would like to you to book your Airbnb tonight while we're sitting here and I was like um, okay. So I booked my Airbnb, uh, and all of a sudden I was going to Venice from the 1st to the 17th of November, uh, and I had this really great place, and everything just fell into place after that, and it was really life-changing for me because it was the first time that I said uh, I put um, a little boundary, another one of the brand human principles, um, uh, away from my businesses all out here and all my Black Book members, and I said I just need some time for myself to grow, and by doing that, I went out to California, and I got to catch Jasmine on the uh, like tail end of her Soho House series in Malibu, so yeah. actually, Bert Tupper and Jasmine and I all had dinner together at the Soho House. Yeah, the Nantucket connection goes oh, yeah. deep. Oh yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, I also quickly to if you know to share that story. It's like I do strategy for Holly a bit, you know, and one of the pieces of making that strategy work was a visual design piece to thank all of the Nantucket Black Book members, so that there's a closing and there was an understanding that the break needed to happen, right? But the break couldn't just happen without a marketing piece. So. That's another example of like how I think and how I work, right? Like how to how to think about self care, but also do it responsibly, um, and do it so you're respecting the people you work with, and so they respect you, so that it's you're not on vacation for two weeks, freaking out, thinking you know there's emails coming in. Like there's a lot of stuff entrepreneurs do. They they can run because they can get burnt out, or they can not make great decisions around how to do that work. And it's like Holly, you can totally do this. And you just marry it with this. And you're going to be better for it, you know? What do you think is the climate on Nantucket? As far, I'm curious to get your impression on, you know, now that you've been here a couple times, you've spoken with some people. Climate as far as like... As far as the entrepreneur, like it's, you know, you've been, you, you go to different places and you uh -huh. speak to different crowds. I'm curious to know your impressions. Well, I think I'm from an island. Let's start with that quickly. I'm from, well, not start with that, but start with that before I say <laughs> what I think about Nantucket's climate. I'm from an island called Whidbey Island in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm, I'm deeply aware and, and intimately connected to island businesses, island culture, and, and what it is to make money and thrive and build on an island. Um, so I'll say that um, there's a big, a lot of, uh, it's a familiar way here there sort of feels like sister islands to me in a lot of in a lot of ways um but i think that the climate on nantucket is really special first and foremost i think that i've seen um a tremendous amount of talent i think i've seen a tremendous amount of commitment to craft which i think is everything um i've seen a lot of people care about what they do and put effort into making it better. So there's really a lot, uh, a lot of room to grow. 
Yeah, and I think that all I've ever seen from the island is is people uh, wanting to do great work, doing great work, and wanting to do better work. Mm-hmm. At least all the clients that have come to me and everyone that came to the Brand Human Experience mm-hmm. this weekend, you know, um, they all came to, you know, y- y- even if someone's a bartender, you know, we had people who were bartenders there. So you're looking at the entrepreneurial economy when you look at someone who comes who's like, a bartender at a really important spot in Nantucket that's a cultural hub, right? That's not a, that actually, you know, you are an entrepreneur at that point. Can you, can you describe entrepreneur versus entrepreneur? So an entrepreneur is someone who um, takes initiative in, in an organization that isn't their own, but treats it sort of with as much um, respect and commitment like it was their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen that on Nantucket too. You know, they doesn't have to be owning their own business, but they come to me and they work for someone else and they just want to really make sure that they're doing the best that they can do both for themselves and their employee. And, and when they take care of self in that way, they're going to bring their better, their better part to the work. So I, and I think also I've seen some anxiety because anxiety exists in these kinds of communities in a big way within you know, seasonal incomes, um, a lot of wealth, right? Um, there's, you know, that, that exists, that's there, right? So I always try to ease anxiety with teaching. I always try to really like, let's boil it down to what, what the fear is and let's try to apply brand strategy, marketing directives around that fear so you can know that you're doing as much as you can. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and it's funny, you just made me think of something. There was a a company that, and I won't say their name, that took out a, and it felt to me, I feel like I can spot, uh, I have a good radar for, for, for phony and just like, <laughs> like they're just trying to jump on the, this is a luxury island bandwagon and they took out a full sure. corner space for this luxury ski place mm. in Vermont and the whole thing just felt a little forced, you know? Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I don't know because People can sense that. I mean, if I'm getting that vibe just by walking by the storefront, I'm sure other people did too. And I think a lot of them, I don't know, maybe it was successful for them. I could be totally wrong, but it just felt like I know they probably shelled out a ton of money for that retail space. And But I felt like there's something a little weird here. I don't know why. That was the pain point of Nantucket during that season. In 2000. I did work with that company that you're talking about because no one could afford that corner market on 51 Main Street. So how are you going to get a mom and pop creator, maker, entrepreneur to have Main Street Nantucket when the rent is so astronomical that they could never make it back in a season or 10 years or 20 years at that point. So it, it's the it's the pain point of the wealth on the island. And that's, it's a, that's a great, that's a super interesting point though. And that scenario is played out over and over again. And it's hard for people, especially retail, you know, the, it's, it's a really... Uh, tricky <laughs> roll of the dice. <laughs> well, you know, I um, started the conference this weekend with talking about kind of the breaking of a lot of old models. Um, and without going into this too much, I kind of fundamentally believe everything's breaking a bit. Like I believe advertising's breaking. I think the financial services industry is breaking. I think retail is kind of breaking. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it means that I don't think we can plug and play like we used to. And to just things that worked before, right? Like, yeah. 
I think that as as people, we want different things out of out of our experiences and how we buy goods. Um, I, I think give me an example of something that's a disrupted media system right now, or a disrupted um, some something that's disrupting the market. Because I think that that's always really you you do such a great job during these experiences to kind of and it doesn't. Have well, I mean, you could talk about like the music industry, right? So I just did a. Um, I just did a talk in Malibu um, with uh, a panel with a bunch of people who are pretty high up in the music world um, in, in partnership with Humble Riot in New York. And I decided to do that within music, right? Because first of all, Brand Human's kind of moving into like every sector. I'm doing partnership with the art, wor art worlds and music and wellness and um, I chose music because I believe it's like one of those industries where there's been a lot of disruption oh, and to say the least. Yeah. And you're a musician yourself. And, and I think that it's such an interesting conversation about like, does the artist need representation? Is there, is, what's the label situation? I, anyways, it was a fascinating, um, a fascinating talk. It was one of my favorite brand humans. Um, but I think if you look at Spotify, right, just like pure and simple, like a streaming service, I think these things are new new models and disruptive and also are trying new things but I kind of think sort of like if you look at the evolution of these new models like evolution of Facebook mm -hmm. right like evolution of Instagram that that's all really kind of disruptive and interesting because it's keeping it's keeping us on, on our toes about engagement mm -hmm. right even just like Facebook live and how that's shifted perception mm -hmm. I went I did my first Facebook live post last night and guess who it was what it was you. It was? Yeah. It was Not, you. It was when you were singing at Cisco and you, oh, you nice. sang to me and you were like, this is for oh, you. Oh, yeah. We did Don Deus de Banyo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Nice. I haven't done a Facebook. Yeah. I haven't done a Facebook Live. Well, it, it, anyways, just like that quick shift, right? Because what happens with Facebook Live right now is it tells your whole network, like, I've gone live, which is like wakes people up to, you know, a, a notification doesn't mean anything anymore. We're dulled to it. Yeah. But Facebook Live. So, so I, I tend to think about like those models of like, like that you know now we're kind of used to facebook it's like something that's part of our world and and then it like throws in this like new thing and then it shifts how we think about sharing and that to me is like disruption that we should be paying attention to and so i'm guessing and put that's where someone like you comes in with people that are running a business you can't keep up with all these changes and all these different new social media sure. type procedures sure so it, you can get lost in it. And I know just from when I do the podcast and put it out, mm -hmm. I have like four different platforms. I have to do Twitter, Instagram, yeah, Facebook. Yeah, Those sure. are my three majors that I use. Sure. But that process to me is the only time that this whole thing feels like work. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just like, dude... All right, is this synced up? Is do I to have this the does, yeah. it, is this link? Is this link here? Did yeah. I spell everything right? Yeah, totally. My, and my, you know, so I find that part of the process uh, very, very daunting, and I find it feels like work. Like I love when I have it done. And I've recorded the podcast, but then I have to go. Oh, I have to do my social media component, and that's when it really hits me. And then you know, am I? And then I sometimes think about it. Like, is there anything that I'm missing? Should I be keeping? Up, should I be Snapchatting this stuff? And I just, I have the three platforms that I use and I find those effective. And that's what I think uh, the next thing we should talk about. It, it is, um, I also feel like we're in an amazing time where you don't need an Ogilvy or a, a gray advertisement. You know, you don't need those big people to push a brand, whether you're a band, whether you have a new sneaker, whether you're running a podcast, that platform is out there. 
But what's happening, I think, is there's so much static. Yeah. How do you filter through that static and make your voice heard? And I think that applies to anything or any business or Yeah, so I think just to quickly address, like, do we not need these agencies anymore? And, you know, what I I think we need is sort of what I'm creating. It's like there's probably always going to be room for the sort of mammoth agencies, right? Just from a simple management standpoint of like managing like a campaign and building that work and, you know, there's a lot of talent there. But for for small to medium-sized businesses, which I think we're moving into an entrepreneurial economy on a lot of levels and a freelance economy, there has not been options for this kind of work, right? So for you to say, you know, okay, social media is like, okay, I'm doing it, right? But like, I'm checking off the boxes. I think that these are my networks. But for you to be able to come to like my agency and have a couple hour conversation and maybe get that tighter, think about what the goals are, you know, think about how you can actually start to enjoy Instagram a little bit more as a creative, as a musician, how you how you interweave both those things, how you personally position self, because as this podcast grows, right, and as your content grows and as as it just builds, these are things that are important and these are th- necessary steps for it to build. There's so many different things that you can lose your way and, you know, yeah. sort of lose focus. And yeah. I think it's hard when you're inundated with things. And one thing I wanted to ask you about was the psychology of like social media. Um, they oh, please. Per- it's my favorite subject. Well, <laughs> well, I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about, uh, are you addicted to your laptop? Mm-hmm. And, they, and then they got into the psychology of, you know, they design these apps specifically with, with psychological rewards. So when you see that red light pop up, we're addicted. And I think at some point, too, there's going to be, and I know myself, I felt like this, I need to just check off. I need to stop. Yeah, And well, I can watch yeah. someone else yeah. on social media stuff be like, oh, man, I think that this person's like really just needs to tone it down. Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of like, everyone needs to step the fuck back. Mm-hmm. All right? You know, how do you balance that? And how do you, as a business owner, as a, as Me any, as Jasmine, how do as I? Anyway, yeah, how do you how do you take a break or how do you manage like because it's it's there's an addictive quality to it, yeah. and if you become addicted in the wrong way, it can be it can have detrimental effects. Detrimental effects. It also triggers stress hormones and it's all sorts of problems for your physical body. Um, oh, before you finish that, did you see season three of Black Mirror? No, but. <laughs> Because it's, it's gonna happen because I haven't had any time to watch TV, but it's on my it's on my queue. Please, Black Mirror, Black Mirror is a uh, and this is why I love podcasts too. And I talk because people this is how I find out about stuff. And yeah. it's a transfer of information. So someone listening is like, dude, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, the episode check it out. season the first season one's great. Season two, but yeah. the first episode of season three is about it's a futuristic view of where we are with social media and how it's dominating your life and people are just going around rating people. It's very similar to Instagram likes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's fascinating. Well, I'm not sure that it's not making us sick. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but but kind of not. I mean, I'm um like I'm not I'm not actually sure that that we're not in some some intense trouble with having our phones so close to us all the time from a physical body, human body standpoint. But 
Um, I recently, because I'm looking at how much I'm doing and, and operating at really a, a, a sort of superhuman pace a lot of the time, um, that I am totally reevaluating my relationship with my phone. I consider it a relationship, my relationship with my laptop, um, how I look at it, when I look at it in the morning, how I fall asleep with it, how I don't fall asleep with it. Um, you know, because, um, you know, my clients don't, shouldn't go to bed with me. Right. So, right. And my community really shouldn't go to bed with me. But if I'm closing my eyes and having just scanned through my feed, which 80% of people are doing, if not 90, if not a hundred, it's mega addictive. Um, it's affecting my dream life. It's affecting my fight or flight. Some of my body can shut down if my body can rest. Uh, what I bring to my morning, what I bring to my strategies, what I bring to my family. Um, so I'm totally like reevaluating. So I guess that's my question. Where, yeah. how do we find that balance, especially as someone that needs to use that, those, you know, Instagram and social media as a platform for their business. Mm -hmm. But there's that feeling in all of us that we're like, oh my God, this is like, it's just a little weird. Well, it's like this it's controlling. It's this FOMO. You so know? how do we find that balance? I think that there's incredible experts out there talking about, you know, what balance even is and what wellness is right now. But, you know, what is your physical practice daily, right? Like we should all be moving as humans and your physical practice shouldn't really involve being on your phone, in my opinion. Um, so you're talking about the guy at the gym that's like running with his phone? Yeah, like... Like, how can you dis? What are the moments in the day that you can disconnect first and f like? That's what I'm sort of starting to think about. That that can be easy into my habits, right? Or when you're at yoga or meditation. I mean, there's so much about meditation out there right now. But truly, meditation is you know when I've had a, a consistent practice. I'm sort of off my practice right now. I hate to admit that because Robert, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, so hoping you're gonna be like David Lynch if you're listening. Well, I love David. David Lynch, Lynch too. <laughs> Oh, of course. I mean, he's everything. Mulholland Drive. Um, everything about David Lynch. But <laughs> the David Lynch Foundation. Um, but meditation is really like if if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna find some kind of balance, quote unquote, I don't even really know what that means anymore in our world because just we've just got so many so much going on and so much distraction. You quiet the mind. You know, here's a good tip for, for the, how, what your balance is and like what your habits are, which Jasmine goes into a lot of stuff with Brand Human about what your habits, uh, pro professionally, personally. Sign out of your Instagram account, just log out, and then randomly look at how many times you go to just like check back in without realizing that you're logged out. Mm -hmm. And if you have that moment of like, oh my God, how many times am I touching? What are my habits every day? How many mm -hmm. times am I Yeah, that's, that's a really good one, Holly. Like, it's a great one. Or go to bed, and this is what I've done for the last two years, mm -hmm. is that I turn my phone on, on airplane mode at 9.30 every night, mm -hmm. and I turn it back on when I am ready in the morning to decide like what's coming out my way, like probably mm -hmm. around 7 o'clock or mm -hmm. so, but I, I don't have any notifications. Yeah, uh, yeah, hour, hour, to two hours at night, hour in the morning, like just to let your body even wake up before it starts getting into fight or flight about notifications and content. The other thing is, is I talk a lot about content in and content out, right? So most people aren't, aren't highly curating their feeds, all right. Or highly curating what they're looking at, especially on Facebook. Um, and 
you know, you're absorbing a lot of stuff and, you know, we're talking about being an entrepreneur and a creator and a maker and differentiating self and building self. That's a lot of energy and that takes like a lot of thoughtfulness. So if you're looking at other people's crap all the time and sometimes it's literally crap, that's what your work, your, it's going to reflect in your work. Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, let's get into the Instagram and stuff. What are some of the pitfalls that you see people taking, entrepreneurs, with their businesses, um, with Instagram faux pas? And- you know, Holly's almost even better at this um, on, a, on a more micro level, but she has like the Ten Commandments of Instagram, but sort of like thou shalt not um, post only with about sales and stuff. You know, like we see that, I think, most often is that people oversell. Um mm-hmm. Or overshare. I think that's one of the biggest parts that it, what you said earlier, like this ad doesn't feel genuine. Like this space doesn't feel genuine. I'm not going in there. You know, like w- we all have an inner compass, right? And I talked to Randy um, Hudson from Cisco about this yesterday at the conference. And you know, how do you determine inner compass, right? And and how do you know when to pay attention to inner compass? Well, you have to be aware enough, right, and removed enough from what other people think of you all the time and, and content to make your own decisions. And the mistakes entrepreneurs make on Instagram are usually because they are not connected to self anymore. They're too, they're sort of spinning, you know, and that's kind of what social media can do to you. It can make you spin. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, I believe that all good brands are not created. They, they already exist. So like for you, right, um, you as a brand and, and the podcast and you as a musician and a community member and a father and husband, you exist, right? This isn't something that needs to be made. It's just something that you look at and you look at all the parts of self and parts of brand and you go, hmm, what can be sort of refined and defined and how is that then communicated, right? So you're not creating something that doesn't exist. And that's what branding and great branding is just taking something and amplifying it from the genuine, so it's already, it isn't, um, it isn't fake. Right. Fake branding isn't really in branding. It's like, it's just advertising. And, you know, those brands never tend to do well because they don't have loyalists. And you got to be loyal to something, you know, for Well, it to it's really about work. the truth. If you're, if you're not being truthful, you're not going to have... Yeah. No one's going to buy it. Be like, this guy's a douchebag. I'm not going to listen to his podcast. Especially on Nantucket, right? So if I if we circle back to what I feel like the climate is about Nantucket, like people people can sense when you are uh disingenuous. Hmm. And maybe that's because there is a seasonal economy and so many people come here for a short moment and partake in all the beautiful things it has to offer and leave and they have to find that inner compass of what's bullshit or what's not pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, that's, I think, something, a huge thing I've seen on Nantucket. Yeah. And talking about our friend Burr, like, I just, I love and adore him. And um, that was one of the things, like, last year when I'm, you know, first spoke to an audience in Nantucket, people like him really stood out. It's like just really genuinely wonderful people, you know? Hmm. Yeah, he totally. I wanted to ask you a question and I thought this would might be a good example of something that uh, happened to me with the podcast that I wasn't sure. And it was about a post okay. it had to do. And I think it may be relevant to what you do. And mm-hmm. I love that. I want to get your sure. opinion. So the, uh, the post was uh, marijuana became legalized. Yeah. And I, I, I'm absolutely for it. 
Yeah. I think it's, uh, I just felt really passionate about mm-hmm. it. And I, and I, you know, it passed and it's going to be, it's legal here now. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I posted this on Instagram and I was writing this little blurb, my Instagram picture saying what a historic moment, you know, sure. and I think that with pro, it, although it comes with pitfalls, I think as a culture progressing forward and open-mindedness, I just think it's important. Yeah. But I wasn't sure about that post because I felt like maybe I might alienate some people. Sure. And as a brand and marketing strategist, what's your take on that? Like, what, what advice would you have given me about, um, you know, it's a tr- slippery slope? Yeah. Um, I, I tend to usually go the direction of say what you feel and you'll have your people and you'll have your, you won't have your people. Yeah. Um, be, because <laughs> something like marijuana and I've done done some branding in that industry. Um, it's a smart industry, okay? It's like, it's really smart that it's being legalized. And it's it's it can help a lot of people. And it can make a lot of people money. And it can make, um, it, it's, it's, got a, it's, it's got a lot going for it that isn't just about getting high on any level. Right. So I would say from a standpoint of supporting that that's a wise interesting stance because it's a it isn't just about this perception right so i would what i would have said to you is are you why you know when you're posting it saying why you support this yeah right and i did i did say why i support it i try i was a i I tend to not post long like yeah, sentences sure, sure. and, and uh, sure, yeah. per Holly's advice, I don't yeah. go crazy with hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, that yeah. that's it's yeah. like, dude, yeah, come on, weird. Yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah, I think one thing that I would I like this stumble factor. I love the fact that if someone was to stumble on there through a hashtag, I was like, sure, oh, this is yeah, cool. It's cool. I, that's my mindset yeah, yeah. about yeah. posts and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. this might be interesting. Or, and there's strategies to apply and, and hashtag usage that makes sense and it, that that the network needs it. It's like it's like going to the beach and bringing your swimsuit. It's like, you know, or I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what beach you go to. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, it's just a, it's just a tool um, to get you there. But I think that posting something like that in relationship to why you're supporting an initiative that's going to have a trickle effect to help people or why you think it's a great thing in providing that information, I think is no problem, but you are going to alienate people in your career. And the more you grow, the more you are, you will alienate. Yeah. And that's just something that you have to be cool with on some level. And, um, I think that it, it, I think it's simply because the more you, are out there, the more you are asked to expose, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, like, take, for example, me sitting here, you know, um, coming to Nantucket, holding workshops, you know, these are wonderful opportunities for me. These are, like, this is, like, what makes me tick. I get to have a conversation with someone awesome and um, that's that's doing something that I respect, right? But I'm going to expose things that someone, because it's it's a genuine conversation, someone might be like, oh, I... I don't like her. And I have to go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's part of putting yourself out there. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, just part of the... I mean, you, there's going to be tons of people that go, I really think she's cool too. You know, like that's part of it. And those people aren't going to say, I really think she's cool if I like hold my tongue about everything. Yeah. Well, I guess it really does come back to speaking the truth, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, where are we in... 
the social media spectrum? What what is is what's the next? Where do you see us going with social media? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. There's, you know, there seems to be some uh, different voices from different ends of the spectrum saying, "Oh, this is Twitter's dead, Facebook's dead, Instagram." What's snap? I don't Snapchat. Sure. You know, that's yeah. that's an eighteen year old, the eighteen to twenty five year old. You know, <coughs> and that well, that's one thing I've realized. I'm comfortable with my demographic. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm a forty two cool. year old guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's an eighteen year old kid that's like, oh, inside the whale's my podcast. Right, right, right. Probably not. Yeah. And if they are, they're super cool. Totally. <laughs> and they're learning a lot. <laughs> I um, hope they're learning a lot. I hope that they take information. For sure. I think that from what I know of your podcast, they're really informative and helpful. Um so what do I where do I think social media is going? I mean, breaking it down. Like Twitter's not over. Like that's like Twitter is still the, the number one outlet for people getting their news all over the world and up-to-minute news. I mean, it's just, I spoke about this yesterday. If you use Twitter correctly, you can curate your news in such a profound way and connect to people all over the world. You know, instead of just directly following the New York Times, you follow your editors and your writers that you love and, you know, um, your politicians or, you know, whatever it is, it's just a really incredible way to get information. So have they figured it out holistically as a brand? No. Have they made some fumbles? Yes. They're not going anywhere, in my opinion. Um, you know, Facebook owns Instagram, so they're really one and the same on a lot of levels. Um, but where are we going with social media? I mean, social media, in five years, that you would never ask me that question. Because right. in five years, it will just be like your right arm. You wouldn't be like, so are people going to use their right arm? Is What's happening with their right arm? Like, social media <laughs> is just like, you know, like part of everything now. Like, it's just the part of the human just is. world, right? Yeah. So, will there be new networks and will be the, there'll be new good stuff that's crap and some stuff that's not crap? Some stuff that will transform the way we live? Yes. You know, they'll probably be in five years when we sit down again and do this. And, you know, you'll probably be like, whoa, that could we ever imagine our life without this other thing? Yeah. Right. So I think that that's where it's going. It's like, you know, people are constantly trying to invent ways to make things more interesting and efficient and take who we are as humans and make it even more amazing and interesting. And Well, that's our job is to sure. push. I, I feel like that. I coming from a musical background with bands when i had my band in new york i was always under the impression that you and this is part of that was a new york culture mm -hmm. that you just needed to be there were so many bands you needed to be pushing yourself and and the band has to be doing something different mm. and doing something unique mm. without feeling forced it, it, it's the same principle as is any advertiser anyone with a launching a product you you have yeah. a band, and how do you get that out there in, in a really original way? The songs have to be great. Yeah. Because I would see these bands that are amazing that no one will ever know about. Yeah. What is your relationship to your music now? I mean, I think I kind of, in some ways, hit a, hit a musical jackpot in the sense that I can play a lot on Nantucket. I'm playing three, four times a week in the summertime. Oh, in New York. Awesome. In New York, I was playing once a month. Mm. And then maybe a tour. Mm -hmm. 
I think. But the the flip side of that mm-hmm. is that it is kind of covers, but I really put a lot of thought and energy into the covers that you're not just seeing that. I call it the uh, guy in the corner with the acoustic guitar. So it's like, oh, God. That oh, dude. God, yeah. It's that dude. <laughs> That's my, you know, there's that guy in the corner who's playing Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer on an right. acoustic It's just sad. Yeah, it's really sad. And, and my fear is that I'm going to turn into that guy, and I might. But if I don't keep pushing myself and, uh, you know, so out here in Nantucket, I get to do covers with uh, bands and uh, I don't know, I I, I found to be able to support myself playing music is really cool. Yeah. And there's also a lot, there's a community that's pretty accepting and there's a lot of great musicians out here. Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. Yeah, I loved seeing you guys last night. That was kismet and cool. <laughs> it was like, wait, I'm doing your podcast tomorrow. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, that's another thing, right? Is like as an artist, there's a maker, is like having dreams and being creative. Can people be happy finding their niche? You know, I, I try to work a lot with my clients around that. Like, let's find what's going to make you happy and feel good about your work, you know? Because oftentimes there's, I got to do this and I got to do that. And what if I do this? There's not sort of, what happens if it's this and we work towards this? Hmm. Who's been your most difficult client? <laughs> oh, um. You don't have to name names. Okay. Or I'd love it if you name names. Controversy's uh, always good. <laughs> um, I'm not going to name names. I'm, I'm, I'm respectful over those things. But Well, give me some of the dynamics that made it. A- I think that um, I've been very blessed in the last couple of years. I've had no difficult clients. I think actually the way I've structured my business, um, I've really eliminated the toxicity. So I vet people I work with. And a lot of it's all referrals, and so it's usually like-mindedness. And and I've I've taken some hits financially from that. I've taken risk um, in not taking people, but I don't take people that I don't vibe with anymore. Yeah. And I'm never going to, um, because I give a lot of myself with my client work. I care deeply, and uh, it's not worth it if they're if they if they suck. But um, my most difficult. Um, uh, circumstances have been people who want to tap me deeply for my creativity and my vision and my insight, um, but don't want to listen to me. Huh. So they want everything I have to offer, but they ultimately just want to stay spinning in their own rhetoric. Yeah, that's usually just ego-driven. Yeah, and insecurity. And so, you know, that's also why I really enjoy working with smaller businesses. You can affect much greater change. And you can see, you know, oftentimes there's not as many politics. Or there's politics and I come in as sort of a mediation strategist and help. Do you ever wonder what, like, a a marketing person from, like, a gray would think of your work? I mean, I know. I know. They, you know, I have a lot of advertising people who come to my talks at Soho House. Um, I have a lot of friends who uh, work in very high-level positions at Gray. I have a, a friend and a, a strategist there, and um, but Mother and Anomaly. and um, I think that my colleagues deeply respect my work. I think that, that um, a lot of them are like, wow, you did this on your own. I think that's important. I that never did- collected a paycheck from an agency. You know, I started my business at 26. My first client was New Balance. You know, I, I, I didn't, I, 
I've worked really hard for it, man. I've worked really hard to sit here. I've worked really hard to hold a two-day conference that I created my own methodology. I've taken tremendous risks in people being like, this sucks or doesn't suck. How did I've you get taught. New Balance to come on board? A huge sneaker brand that was in, which was interesting. I, I was know. in New York during the New, Band, New Balance turnaround, yeah. like to, to the point where the brand turned around, now they're on Fifth Ave. Now you can design your own shoe in that Fifth Ave store. So like anything, any, you know, any of, anything I've ever done in my life has been through someone who believed in me, right? So I don't relate to people who are like, oh, I did this all by myself. I've worked really hard and I've delivered from a place of self but I've had a lot of people believe in me. So um, I had a contact at the time at New Balance and they were launching PF Flyers. And I sat with him and I said, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. anymore. <laughs> like, or I want to work at like with Adidas with Stella McCartney or like, I, wanna, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. And he said, if you start your comp- a company, we'll be your first client. Mm-hmm. He said, I can't think of anyone in the marketplace as young as you are, as connected as you are with your knowledge on product development and sales. So let's try this out. That's cool that someone gave you a shot. He said, send me a proposal, okay? I was 26. I didn't know about what kind of business I was going to have, or but I knew I had to be a consultant, right? Because that's sort of what it was. So I took a piece of paper. I sat with my dad, and I wrote Jasmine Takanikos in the center of the paper, and I circled it, and then... I put a bunch of lines around everything I could potentially do and offer someone. And then my dad said, consulting group. And I said, that's right, group. I was like, because I can't do any of this without my community. And at 26, I was wise enough to know that. And I haven't done anything without my community. And then it was like, that's my business. So you go in there. I filed for an LLC. And I said, I sent them a proposal. I have my first proposal I ever did in my business to this day that I look back at and like what so it was so it was through the fashion world that you had these contacts right in in the footwear totally totally and then he believed in me and I consulted for them for two years and then the crash happened and it sort of was like their privately held company it was like all consultants go we're using internal people I had sort of done what I needed to do and then I ended up um I, you know, I had a business, but it wasn't functional. I didn't take that time to grow my business. I took that time actually to learn my business and do this best, the best work I could for New Balance. And I had a couple other clients. So what I ended up doing from there was um, I worked with StyleSite, a dear friend of mine who now, uh, do you know This Is Range or Range? It's an incredible um, online magazine forecasting agency in the performance sportswear world and in the outdoor world. So she does a lot with outdoor brands, but she's incredible. She's an art director. She's a creative. Um, and she gave me a shot too. She, she was like, I'm building the first performance sports forecast that would go out to Nike and Disney and Amazon. And so I worked with her and I put that together. So I was doing a tremendous amount of trend work, right? So like color, fabrics, lifestyle, um, across every sport, both genders. Wow. It's a huge market. It was a huge market and it was a huge amount of work and it was a huge amount of detail and uh, product inclusive of product development. So, you know, uh, I guess long story short, like that's how I got it. Every opportunity I've ever gotten is because someone said, I think you're smart. We're going to give you a chance. Um, the other big opportunity I had, it was in luxury real estate. Um, after I'd finished the sports forecast, I had had uh, a woman who knew me through another small, small, some small client work. 
and she was an executive at a real estate agency called Core in the city. And she said, why don't you come in and, and see if we can work together and you can do some digital marketing for us. Um, oh, so you do real estate marketing. Yeah. I wow. work, I work actually pretty deeply in the, in the luxury sector. I have, um, I have clients that I've had for many, many years now. See, now this makes more sense because now you, you, you know, the real estate market, New York City, Nantucket, there's a lot of through lines here that I'm putting together. Yeah. So it does make, you do make sense out here, yeah, understanding yeah. the clientele. Yeah. Absolutely. The brand. Yeah. So I so luxury real estate was something I never thought I'd find myself in. And then what ended up happening is Sean Osher of Core again took a took a chance on me and knew nothing about real estate, but I showed him my sports forecast and I remember I had um was really into a brand called Rafa at the time and and I've always loved cycling and we bonded over that and he was a cyclist and he was like and I was like, I wanna do this for your brand, but I wanna put it into luxury real estate. He was like, Great, come on in. So he hired me as a consultant and what I ended up doing was like nothing that we originally talked about. What I ended up actually doing is identifying a need in the real estate world, which was you had these incredibly high end dynamic people working in these brokerages that had different careers, you know, from before. And I was like, they need brands. That's interesting. And kind of like in a weird way, Holly's done that with Black Book out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I ended up creating my own method around branding brokers. So I began doing that and um and I you know got the chance to do it in in under his uh under his agency and I did all a bunch of other really interesting innovative work in real estate that hadn't been seen co-branded stuff. And then continued with other different kinds of clients in different worlds. And it's just built, you know. Name an industry I probably have worked. I probably have a client in it. I like your name. Brand Human is a cool name. Thanks. I would tell you if I didn't like it. I like it. Brand, Thanks. Brand Human phonetically sounds good. Feels good, right? It does. Feels good in the body. It does. Brand yeah. Human. Yeah. It's grounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Jasmine, I think Nantucket, you certainly have found uh, a home out here. Oh, awesome. You know, all the awesome. feedback's been awesome. great. Oh, and good. Uh, there That's was definitely so cool. some buzz from your conference. Oh, rad. For awesome. sure. People That's were so talking about it, including my wife. Well, she's a She's gem. blown away. She's so, a gem. Uh, brand human, folks. Thank you so much com. for having me. That's it. We did an hour. Or actually, it's not brandhuman.com. That's another interesting branding story. I'm actually fighting for the URL right now. So. You can if you Google Brand Human, you can find me. I'll well, I'll make up, sure when I do. I'll do yeah. when I do my intros and outros, yes. which is another part of producing. Yeah. I'll make sure that all the necessary awesome. plugs. Awesome, but are. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm glad. I I've been dying to sit down and talk cool. And, cool. and pick your brain. Cool. Hopefully, it was enjoyable. Yeah, and we'll do it again. I think awesome. it's always nice to check back in, as, yeah. uh, especially as I evolve with this thing too. Cool. Maybe of course, you'll have some more. Yeah. Advice. I would love to. Right on. great conversation. Did you guys learn something? I sure did. You know, I'm thinking about it now and uh, there's so many different ways you can improve things and it's really just 
about being truthful, finding what you're passionate about and going for it, right? That's what Inside the Whale is all about. And what are you passionate about? It. What are you going to go out and do, try and bring to the community? How are you going to make those connections? Well, Brand Human's there to help. Jasmine, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Inside the Whale. That's it, folks. That's episode 45, the first one down for the new year. Get out there. Enjoy January. Enjoy February. It's not depressing. It's awesome because you have the time to go do the things you love. Don't get distracted. Just do it. Build it. Make it. Paint it. Throw it. Build it. Love it. Enjoy it. It's Nantucket. It's January. And it's going to be all right.